0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward Rick Barry from behind the end line. They put him again. It's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Warriors 24. I'm Rick Barry, along with my co-host yes the great Cyrus Satchez that's exactly right the surf man himself he is uh, with (laughs) us ready to roll today Uh, hey we have great news for you Warriors fans obviously Uh, they found a way to win Uh, that was uh, that was kind of encouraging to see that after the two disappointing losses that they had but the only disappointing thing Cyrus to me is as we talked about it with Charles Barkley last week and the things he said they're worried about the offense hey they scored plenty of points they won the game but they still gave up 120 and that's my big concern. It you is. Give it, up 120 points every time, you got some problems.
1: Huge problems. And, and Rick, it's always a pleasure to do the show with you and in if the Warriors had lost that game, I feel like we would have gone to a very dark place with this week's episode, but that that win was salvation for a lot of people. But you're right, 120 points a game is unacceptable. And is it, in your opinion is it is it fairly idiotic for anyone to criticize the Warriors' offense and not defense? Because we heard that a lot, right? Yeah, we've been hearing that from all kinds of people. Oh, their offense, blah, blah, blah. No,
0: it's not not about the offense, folks. It's about their defense, their defense. I mean, they gave up 123 points in the victory. They scored 134. I mean, how can you be worried about somebody's offense if they could score 134 points, right? (laughs) I mean, seriously. But the whole thing about it is, is that – the, well, the encouraging thing, if you're looking at it from an analytical standpoint, which we are always attempting to do. Right. You know, you know, Steph didn't have a great three-point shooting game. I mean, he shot 40% for him. That's good. But it's not a great shooting game for him from three-point range. And, and Russell did not have – D'Angelo didn't have a great game. He's only three for 11. So right. that's not exactly great. But, you know, but the nice thing is he got 24 points. And as we talked about it, he's got to get 20 or more. Steph's got to get 20 or more. He wound up with 26. The other thing we threw into the equation, what did we say with Draymond? Draymond needs to get at least, you know, upright close to 15 points a game, double digits in rebounds. He had 17 rebounds and he threw in a nice little triple double with 10 assists. So you had a spectacular game from Draymond that gave him a chance to do it. Then you needed to have some other people step forward. Pool. Okay, 40% from the field, you know, nothing spectacular, but he was three for five from three. So that really helped them a lot. So the Warriors did what they have done over the last years they shot 40% from three. So if they can shoot 40% from threes, you don't have to worry about their offense, they're going to be pretty darn good. And what we get concerned about is their defense. But they also had someone – and I don't know if he's going to continue to do it because I know him from the days Damian Lee when he played against uh, – my son Candy played against him when he was mm-hmm. back in the Colonial Conference. Then he went for his <laughs> last year at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And he's a really nice player, undrafted and all. But he comes up with a huge game off the huge. bench. You know, 23 he- points and 11 rebounds to go along with that. <laughs> And he shot the ball exceptionally well. And, again, four for six from threes. So that really helped the Warriors out tremendously, even with D'Angelo having an off day. So, again, it's not about the offense. But then we need a few more people to come up with some stuff for him. I mean, Spellman gave eight, and Chris came up with four, Pascal eight. But the thing is, they were outscored by the Pelicans bench. And so – For the success of the Warriors in the last five seasons, the bench on many occasions did a great job of outscoring their opponents. Certainly, if they had a lead, if you could hold a lead, if you could increase the league, sometimes they even came from behind. I don't know if this Warriors team right now has the manpower to be able to do that. And if they can't do that, they're going to be in trouble, even having games like this. Now, you know, maybe is going to shoot better, and he'll have a bigger game. Steph can have one of his 35-, 40-point games. But to expect Draymond to get triple-doubles all the time is also asking a lot. So there's still a lot of unknowns here with them, but it is encouraging to see them at least get that victory, know they can win, especially doing it out on the road. So we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Now, they got another game coming up that they should be able to win.
1: I hope so. Yeah. And, 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 and Rick, I'm so glad they won that game, at least selfishly for us. It makes the team interesting. So people actually want to hear about the Warriors. I, I noticed two noticeable differences in that Pelicans game. One is uh, Steve Kerr went to the small ball lineup and I'd love to know your take on that, but he made an interesting comment as well after the game. And he said that that small ball lineup with Draymond at the five would not work against every team in the NBA. It worked against the Pelicans. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, when that would work when that wouldn't work and and would you agree that aggression that hustle was a huge variable as well they had that and I didn't see that in the first two games
0: yeah well i'm not worried about the hustle i'm I'm worried about playing the intelligent defense from the team concept, right. being in the right position to stop the other team from getting a lot of easy shots, to be contesting shots, not give people wide open looks. You know, we're not expecting somebody to shut somebody down and not get any shots. But the thing is, there's a difference between shooting an open shot and shooting a contestant shot. Right. <laughs> and also being able to take away, you know, not just running by a guy with the old matador defense where you go running by the guy and then he's wide open and you're running down the court hoping you get an easy, you know, chippy basket on a missed shot or something. You got to close out. This is a thing in basketball that, that, that's taught from early on, at least it should be taught, that you run hard at the guy and you stop at least six feet from him and get down and you shuffle up to him so that you make him think you're coming at him. And if you can delay him and take that shot, now you can close out on him. And sometimes you could even take away that good open look that he may have had. And so you have to be able to do that. And then you have to be cognizant of weak side defense. It should always be ball man relationship on defense. Your man moves, you move. If the ball moves, you move. Keeping your man defensively in sight with where you know where the basketball is so that you can be in a position to help. And the further you are away from where the ball is, the further you drop off of your man so that you put yourself in a help position. So these are critical elements of playing team defense to make you an outstanding team that will help keep you in games when your offense is struggling. Right. Therefore, if you can do a good job with that and stop people from scoring 120 points and you're having a bad game offensively, and you can hold them into the nineties or low hundreds, you're giving yourself a chance to still be competitive and maybe win some of those games where your offense is struggling. That's the whole philosophy behind playing good Tough team defense. This is the area that we're going to be examining very closely as the season progresses with this team. So far, it hasn't been
1: encouraging. It hasn't. You're absolutely right. Um, after the game, uh, we had some interesting comments from Stephen Curry and Draymond Green. Draymond. Has been dropping some f bombs. He's been rather pessimistic following the first two games, um, and so there's been some media criticism that followed that. Do you want to hear some of their comments after well, the game? Of course. We're always listen. Uh, this is what I have. You were my producer when we worked at KMP. Yes, sir. Years still ago, am. Right? Still am. Yeah. And
0: you still are our producer, and so I rely on you for all of the goodies and all the things <laughs> that you can add to this equation. I'm excited because you came up with the good sound bites and our music and our intros into some of the special little features
1: we're going to have, and so you pick it out. You throw it up there. We'll talk about it. I love it. Well, here's is, here is a combination. This is a montage of Stephen Curry and Draymond Green. This was after the Pelicans win.
0: Everybody loves to label you when you're down and when you're losing. That's, that's easy. It's easy to get on TV and say whatever you want. It's easy to just you know, throw darts at a team that's trying to figure it out based on how much you know, success we've had. We still have a lot of improvement to do. Um, you know, when I said we suck last night, I see a lot of people blew it out of proportion. A lot of former players who ain't never do it out of proportion. Uh, we suck. And we're still not very good. But you know, I've actually known how to lead my entire life. So, you know, those that have never led shouldn't probably talk about leading. If you want to get on, say whatever you want to say, fill that 24-hour news cycle. That's cool with us. We're still going to hoop and just play basketball.
1: Rick, right off the bat, who do you think Draymond Green was talking about in terms of former players criticizing his leadership? Oh, he loves Charles. You know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and Charles is opinionated <laughs> about those kinds of things. And we talked about what he said to Clay. And we, we felt that he had reason to be pessimistic. And even Clay said that. But he was talking about the offense, like we said on the last show. Right. It's about the defense. And, and both of those guys gave great comments. Great comments. Steph was right on. It is so mm-hmm. easy, and people love to do it. Man, this, the people, especially in the media, the talking heads, love to knock people off that pedestal. And the Warriors have been on a very, very high, illustrious pedestal for five years. And people love to go and knock them off that pedestal. Yep. And so they're, they're doomsdays. people. We're being, I think, honest about the evaluation of where the Warriors are right now. And I would about, agree with and, that. And, and Draymond, I think, would agree totally with what we said. He just said it. We still have a long way to go. And they're in the building process come on they have nine guys 23 years and younger from a team that had the experience they had one of the greatest teams in the history of the nba what do you expect i mean you're not going to expect miracles nine guys and they're they're young nine under 23 23 years of age i mean come on seriously you only get better through experience
1: you're you can watch.
0: Right. You can watch as much as you want. That's what I love. Some of these guys talking. Oh, we watched, We saw this. We saw that. I don't care how much you've watched it. I don't care how much you've analyzed it from watching it. Did you play it? Were you out there? Do you really understand the game the way you think you do? You don't. They may think that they do, but they don't. <laughs> That's why I tell you one thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout from the rooftop. I do love it. Tim Legler. Okay, I think Tim Legler, Legler's lap, Tim does such an incredible job of explaining the game because he understands the game. He's been there. He knows what it's about. And that's what I love. And that's why even I talked about the drives me crazy segment last week, yeah. talking about the former players who are out there talking about all these lockdown defenders, which is a bunch of hogwash because you can't lock down a scorer. I mean, you just can't. And if a guy says that's the case, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Well, then obviously he got locked down because he wasn't a scorer.
1: Right. Yeah, Tim Legler, decent decent career, but as a media analyst, you are saying he's one of the best. That's oh, I I love his so analysis like of stuff. He points out things, he explains it so well.
0: I I've always loved what what, what Tim does. He kind of reminds me like a Chris collingsworth does in football. Yes. I saw Chris, I saw Chris the other day at a charity event, uh, the Bonacani <laughs> Fund, the, the cure, you know, Miami Project to Cure Paralysis, and just went up to him. And I, I've known Chris for years, and just okay. just said, you know, what? I just want to tell you, Chris, how much I enjoyed listening to you. And I tell you, a lot of times when I watch games, I, I'll record them obviously and, and put them on the DVR. And because I don't want to have to spend a lot of time, you know, listening to the things I don't care about, but I, a lot of times I don't, I don't really listen. I watch, I watch, I analyze. And a lot of times, depending who's doing it, I don't listen.
1: Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And I'm speaking of listening and who you look. I cannot wait for the day when Draymond Green becomes a media professional. I mean, I, he's, he's the obvious successor to Charles Barkley in that, just candid, just, you know, no filter type broadcaster, former player. Um, I, you know, I have another question to ask you, Rick, and I'd love to get your feedback on this because in my humble opinion, I, I, I sense a lot of bias from officials. Uh, you know, the Warriors had one of the greatest, if not the greatest five-year run in NBA history, but I, I saw a lot of calls not going their way. I, I rarely if ever saw the type of favoritism that Michael Jordan got during his playing career. I don't know if you got that yourself when you were playing, given how dominant you were. Why do you think refs are so biased against the Warriors? And I bring this up because Steph Curry, two games ago, was issued a technical for hitting – I forgot the other player, but he basically hit him in the groin. And it was a totally incidental play. There was no, nothing malicious about it. Do you, do you see my perspective on this, that there is some bias against the Warriors, or is this just me having fan bias? Uh, you're a real big Warriors fan. <laughs> <Sorry>. so <laughs> okay. I, I think you All have right, a right.
0: little bias towards that. I, I, I don't really think any official – could be that way because it it would show itself during the course of the season and what have you. And and they would lose their job if they're going to do that. Uh, Although I will say in the past, I will have say some things that some officials would have things against certain players Mm -hmm. and they would not give you the benefit of the doubt. And they would be looking to give you a tough time sometimes because they are human beings and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have sometimes have that bias and sometimes they can't control it. And there's no question that they at many occasions will give the so called superstar player uh, an advantage in a call over a young player who's you know, a rookie or just been in the league for a few years, he may get an advantage in that regard. I don't agree with it. I think the bottom line is as an official, the rules are the rules. Call the game according to the rules. It makes no difference who commits the violation. You call it according to the rules and you don't decide when you are going to call it strictly by the rules or when you're going to bend them a little bit or let a little bit more go, just call the game by the rules. And that's the biggest peeve that I had as a player. And I think most guys that I've talked to, and I'm around those guys a lot, especially doing the coaching in the big three and guys like Gary Payton and George Gervin and Dr. J and and Clyde, 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 not Clyde Frazier, he's not coaching in the league, but Clyde Drexler, (laughs) who's the commissioner. So, and all those guys, when we talk about it, the thing is, You want consistency. So as a player, you want the game to be called the same way the entire 48 minutes. If you're going to call it close early, call it close late. Don't call it close early and let it go late or vice versa. Just call it the same way every time because players will adjust to what's being called. Right. You want consistency. That's what that's you're looking right. for for your fish Consistency. Assignment. I totally that's agree with you. That's the thing that, again, well, we can get it that drives me crazy. I'll have that on my list later. But right. anyway, you could. That's, that's all you ask for. I think yeah. in anything in life you would like to have. That it's the same. I talked last week about the Warriors and the bench that what I haven't seen yet is that consistency from the bench. Someone coming in and playing at a high level game after game after game an andrea Gadala, right a sean livingston Uh, those kind of players who can come in and you know what you're going to get from them on a consistent basis now sure they're going to have those off nights as we talked about maybe eight out of the 82 games or so you're going to have a tough tough time it's not going to work but you can still do things to contribute to your team to justify your being on the court so That's the kind of stuff that we need to see coming. So is a Damian Lee, after this great game that he had there, going to be able to duplicate that on a consistent basis? Maybe not as great a game as he had there where he got the 23 points. But if he can come in and you're going to, depending on your minutes, you're going to get 12 to 20 consistently. Not come in sometimes and get four or none or eight. It, it's then how, how do you, how do you judge it? And I'm going to get back to answering your question that you met, met earlier. Cause I'm not that old that I forget those things. Uh-huh, you're not. Is that, no. <laughs> is that you talked about, would it work for Steve Kerr with the small lineup? it, it He knows he has a lineup that can be effective. It's a matter of seeing whether it's going to be effective on that particular night according to the matchups. That's a decision he has to make. But it never hurts to give it a try because you can always pull back from it immediately if it's not working. But if it's working, now they have to make an adjustment to you. And that's the whole chess match situation in coaching. Try to do something. Force the other team to have to, and if it's successful, force the other team to have to do something to adjust to it. If they're not doing it, you keep going with what you're doing. If they make an adjustment, well, then you make an adjustment. And that's kind of the way it is. It's that little give and take that has to take place. That's why it happens more in the playoffs when you're playing against the same team and you see the adjustments that coaches make, the changes they make. And during the season, you can certainly try it. He decided to try it against this team, and it worked, obviously, for them well. And so they were successful with it. Now, will it work all the time? Not necessarily.
1: Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the rebounding numbers for Draymond, I thought, stuck out more than anything in terms of what they need from him. And again, I, I still don't understand why Steph Curry was issued a technical for an inadvertent swipe at another player's groin. And my whole, I guess my whole issue with the ref bias and why I do believe it is if you look at the free throw count on average for every Warriors game, the other team almost outnumbers the Warriors in terms of free throw attempts two to one. And to me, that's an obvious measurable where you can kind of discern ref bias against the Warriors. It could also be the case of the Warriors' style of play simply doesn't draw fouls as much. Um, and you would know better than I would in, in, in regards to that. But I do notice it. And this is the fan's perspective. And I do have bias. Again, I love the Warriors. But um, it's, I, I, to me, it is noticeable. Uh, Damian Lee by the way I think he should be a full-time player I, I thought the Warriors missed him dearly in the postseason last year and he couldn't play because he was a two-way player they brought him back again as a two-way player because he couldn't find a full-time contract anywhere else a guaranteed contract side note Damian Lee is Stephen Curry's brother-in-law he's married to Stephen Curry's sister do you think he should be full-time do you agree with me Well, if he plays the way he played
0: the last game, hell yes. Yes. you you get that kind of performance on a consistent basis for him. I mean, and it may very well be, you know, a guy coming off the bench to bring you that spark. You need to have that. You've got to have guys who can come in off the bench. That was one of the things I know in our championship in 75, our bench was really good. We had a lot of guys. That's why Al went 10 deep Mm. because, you know, if one guy's not doing good, you bring somebody else in, you hope that he's going to be the guy getting it done. But it was our bench. That saved us in Game 7 in the, in the finals against Chicago in the Western Conference. The bench. I was on the bench. I told you that story sitting there forever because <laughs> I sucked. <laughs> Justifiably so on the bench. <laughs> Clifford Ray. Clifford Ray's on the bench. George Johnson, our backup center, was in there. The guys were doing their job. The guys that were the bench players kept us in there. They, and, again, it wasn't our offense. It was our defense. Right. The guys held Chicago scoreless for
1: seven and a half minutes. And what is That's defense you what does defense do, Rick? Well,
0: that's you know that they say defense wins championship. But you I also go. That. But you I also go. That. That's your but, line, I also, but I also go along with that all the time. I mean, but it's more than that. Defense wins championships, but only if you have some offense to go along with it. Fair enough. You can't win only on your defense.
1: Not in the NBA. And you and you have to be able to score. And you're right. Steph Curry, after that Thunder loss, even echoed what you've been preaching, which is that their offense is entirely dependent. I'm sorry. Their offense is enti- entirely dependent on their defense without that defense coming through. You don't have the turnovers. You don't have fast break points. And the offense is stagnant at that point. He was entirely echoing your point that the defense starts everything with this team.
0: Well, because of the way that they play, when they, pick, right. when they pick up the tempo, they bring it up to court quickly. They get all kinds of great opportunities and they're all on the move. They're moving They're passing. They're cutting. And it's not coming down and dribbling it up to court and try to go and get the stacked defense and then trying to get something going where you you can get that type of motion and activity. It's a lot easier to do that in transition when you're
1: playing up-tempo. And, uh, and Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be active for their next game. I'm very curious to see what he does. Rick, are you ready for NBT Squared? Do you have something for us? Uh, well, I, are we going to skip know, it this week? Uh, yeah. I,
0: I, 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 the honest thing about it is that's nothing but the truth, folks. Yes. Nothing but the truth. NBT Squared. We may have some stuff where we'll come out with something really serious. But I, I, you know what, I could pick up on that. I, nothing but the truth. Okay, I'm going to come up. I have something I will talk about because we're going to get into it. And this would fall into that category. Do you want to hear Jack first? You no, want the truth? Yeah, let's 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 hear that. Let's do that. Be, you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to... want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> my man Jack, my man Jack Nicholson, <laughs> who I have the pleasure of knowing. You know, great Lakers fan, as everybody knows. In his movie, A Few Good Men, uh, that was Tom Cruise, by the way, who was also yes. so, uh, on that. Um, yeah. I, I, and I love that. And it really is true. I found that in my life that most people can't handle the truth. They ask you a question, but they really don't want to handle the truth. They don't want the truth because if you give them the truth, then they can't deal with it. <laughs> just like you said, you can't handle the truth. Too
1: much sensitivity so, in this world, Rick. Well, there really is. I mean,
0: come on, just you know, ask questions, get answers, accept them. You know, <laughs> you, you don't have to agree with them, but don't get mad at everybody. Come I'm on, with life I'm is with too, many, too much of that garbage going on anyway. But I, I'll bring up one thing as far as just to me, the truth about it. The problem that happened, and this is a huge problem that has now that has now come into existence for the NBA, the China situation, which took place with the general manager of the Rockets coming out and making a comment had a political overtones. I have said this for decades and decades, Cyrus. Maybe, probably before, well, I'm sure, probably before you were born. Politics <laughs> is bad enough on its in its in and of itself. So leave it by itself, please. Don't involve sports in politics. And if we could do that, we're going to be so much better off. The, the situation that just took place here, same way. Anybody asked about that, what happened after it took place, said, look, I'm a basketball player. I'm not a politician. I'm not going to talk about politics and sports because the two of them don't go together. And as I said many times, think of all of the athletes Who love this country, who were committed to wanting to have the golden opportunity, which is my biggest, biggest disappointment in my career, not getting to represent the United States in the Olympic Games, wearing that USA uniform. I got to do it one time in an exhibition game against the Russian team, the USSR team, the Russian team at that time wasn't the the Soviet Union, wasn't just Russia, it was the Soviet Union.
1: Right. USSR. Why were you not on the team? Why were you never on the Olympic team?
0: Hey, I was lucky to even get invited to the trials. I was a leading scorer. I was one of the leading scorers in the, in the country. Right. So why weren't and, you on the actual team? Because, you know why? Because that was a pre-picked team. It was uh, politics. Politics gotcha. within sports, which, again, uh. screws everything up. They knew who was going to be on that <laughs> yep. team, other than the team that was going to win the, the, the tournament that they had. They knew who was going to make it. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it was supposed to be based upon your performance in the trials as to whether or not you were going to get chosen. I only got picked because Gary Brads, the All-America player from Ohio State, backed out at the last minute. I got a call down in Miami. I got a call from uh, the coach. coach, It might have been the coach's wife, Doris. uh, And she said they just got a message that Gary Brads backed out. They asked if you'd be willing to go to the trial. So I had to Mm. pack real quick, jump, get on a plane, and fly to go and do it. I said, of course. I mean, oh, my God, yes. Right. So I had a chance to go. I thought that I played very well in the trials, okay? Uh, I remember having to play in, in defense against one of the leading scorers on the uh, AAU team that was playing, and then, and then they had a, a armed services team that was playing. And I scored some points, played really good defense, got taken out of the game, and then this was like even the last game in St. John's, and then I sat on the bench. And they just sat on the bench, never put me back in. What I found out, really, later on is that This team was pre-chosen. There's no question about it in my mind. Gotcha. They had – the head coach is going to be Hank Iba. He was all about defense and defense. There were two other guys that also should have made the team based upon their performance. A guy named Willie Morrell who played at Kansas State. Willie played great in the trials, but he was an offensive player. And the other one, flashy, doing stuff, Wally Jones. Wally Jones was great in the trials. And yet, neither one of those two guys or myself made the team. Um – John Thompson, who eventually was wound up being an Olympic uh, coach yeah. of basketball, Georgetown, yes. uh, never got a chance to play because they wanted a seven-footer, and they used Mel Counts, uh, who had played at, what, Oregon, I think he played. Or, yeah, I think it was at Oregon, uh, Oregon State. I forget which one. Anyway, he was there. He was the seven-footer. He got a chance to play. John was on my team. He didn't get a chance to play very much at all. Uh, and in fact, I don't know, maybe one day I'll tell the whole story about that one. I, I might save it for my book. Um, Ooh, so anyway, he, book. he didn't get he didn't get to play and I didn't get to play. In fact, the fans were yelling for me. So I, I, and I thought I had played well throughout the, the course of the of the trials. And so. I'm walking off the court, and it was at St. John's where the game was that last game, and I'm walking off the court and one of the great former pro players and the and coach that people probably will know the name if you're older, a guy by the name of, of Joe Lapchick comes up to me and he says young man i'm going to tell you something he said you're not going to make the olympic team but you're going to be a great pro basketball player so i'm kind of like you know i'm saying whoa wait a second wait a second i mean i was excited about the last part but the first part i'm saying well wait a second i thought they were supposed to go and evaluate what was done i thought i played pretty darn good but he already knew he knew at the end of that game that i wasn't going to be on that team and so that's kind of what it was. They had a quota system. They had to take players from all yeah. the different divisions that were trying out instead of just taking the best freaking players.
1: And for the kids listening, in this time, only amateurs played in the Olympics. So right. The dream team changed that, but this is pre-1992. So all your years playing pro ball, where you're one of the best in the world, if not the best, there were no Olympics as an option for you. So No,
0: there wasn't. And yeah. I say that turned out to be my biggest disappointment, knowing how – proud I was when I heard that National Ampton played against that game against the USSR played in Indianapolis and I didn't even start in that game because they had all the big 10 guys who were there uh, that were on that team all started the game and then we were behind and then I I got to come in off the bench played really well and we, I think we wound up winning and I played very well in that game and so but just to have that USA on my chest that's why I was so excited for my son Canyon to have a chance to represent the United States in the, in the World Cup three on three championship the only gold medal the USA had never won to that point. Huh. And in June, and in June, he went over with his teammates and he got chosen as one of the four players to play. And they played really great basketball together, played the game so well, uh, unselfish move and cutting passing. And they went undefeated and and Canyon had he led the team in scoring four of the seven games. And he got a gold medal. And I have a picture of him when the, when the anthem was staying, you know, with his eyes closed, and it was just the greatest expression on his face. And I could just see for him to have experienced what I know I experienced standing there watching that flag being raised. And in this case, he even closed his eyes in the picture that I have to have that incredible memory for the rest of his life to know
1: he represented his country and won a gold medal. It's just, it's just, it's awesome. That's incredible. And speaking of the truth, by the way, we're, we're sticking with NBT squared and we're talking about NCAA hoops real quick. What's your take. I know we're shifting gears from China here. What's your take on the NCAA ruling? I think just yesterday that uh, players can now earn money or, or, or they're on the verge. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever hear of Pandora's box? Yes.
0: Yeah, well, that sucker's getting opened right now. So what's it going to lead to? <laughs> uh, God only knows the, the craziness that's going to take place. Uh, how is that going to be monitored? Um, certainly the teams that have money and do stuff. Do you imagine what you could do at a big school with very wealthy supporters of your university's athletic programs, the things that you could offer for a kid to do something <laughs> I I don't know if they're going to be able to allow to do that. I don't know all the particulars of it. I haven't read all the details of it. Is that going to be part of it? You know, hey, come to our place. You know, hey, we're going to get you. you will do an endorsement for, you know, this company or that company, and you'll be able to make money. Or is it a situation where if the university uses him in doing production and things of of that nature, that he gets some percentage of the monies that are made when it's controlled by them? I don't know how that's going to work.
1: I think so, the I think the premise right now is just that if you're a student athlete, you are allowed to earn your own income. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're gonna if colleges or universities themselves are going to be paying the athletes, but at least now if you're a star athlete in college, well, and, it's not going to be
0: the college universities, Cyrus. It's
1: going to be the like, alum. well, yeah, yeah, the boosters, yes, and the then boosters. Can, but then you also have like Nike, for example, like like now Nike could pay that athlete, right? Um, yeah, yeah right. I mean,
0: seriously, I mean, just think about it. I, I, it's I, yeah the rich will get richer
1: <laughs> yeah which yeah, is really the-, the
0: way it works in life i mean that's just the way that it works it's it's going to make it much more difficult for the schools that don't have that type of support and financial backing in order to be able to offer somebody can you when you offer the scholarship even bring that part of it up and saying what you could do for him i, I don't know that's why i'm saying it it's it's a conundrum. It really truly is. I, yeah. I, I do think, here's the thing, my wife and I talked about this yesterday, Lynn, and she, of course, she was an administrator for the NCAA. I could usually call her a spy for the NCAA before she became the, <laughs> the head person, the executive director of, uh-huh. uh, assistant executive director of women's basketball for U.S. for, for a number of years. Uh, she said, and I agree with her, she said, I think, and, and I've been a proponent of this myself, that if you're going to do that and you're going to provide money to these people to do that and you start making all of this money and you do go on to become a professional basketball player or a professional athlete whatever sport it may be that you should have to pay back your scholarship
1: yeah and and that's actually been proposed as well that i think one politician came out and said if, if athletes are, are going to get paid they need to rescind the scholarship i mean there's no point well, not in rescind them
0: it no you can give them the scholarship but if they and only if they go on to become a professional. If they become a professional, you have to pay back the value of the scholarship.
1: Fair, yeah, fair enough. Um, we're running low on time here, Rick, before we go. Uh, do you want to mention what drives you crazy? I even got the music. You want some music?
0: Oh, of course. All right. All
1: right. What drives you crazy, Rick? What's no, going I wanna, on? This week? I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you first. Uh, I'm going to go at, outside of sports for this week. And I'm going to say what drives me crazy are people, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, and it might be redundant, but if you're in the fast lane, and people are passing you. Get out of the fast lane. That lane is designed for you to pass other people. It's not for you to just sit there and be comfortable and have a stack of cars lined up behind you. That's illegal. On a side note, get out of the fast lane. Simple. That's what drives me crazy. People are in the fast lane who do not drive fast. Okay, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to let you get away with pulling and stuff outside of sports.
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously. All right. So if, okay, we, if, all we right, that, if we did fair that, if we did that, we could we could probably do an entire year of uh, of a show talking about those things that happen in real life so you're
1: gonna have to come up with something better <laughs> right, than fine, that cyrus. NBA, nba officials for this week going off what i said earlier I, I i in my opinion this is how i feel i think nba officials in general are biased against the warriors i don't know what the reason is for this if you look at the free throw count of nearly every warriors game there are more times than not shooting less free throws free throws in their opposition
0: cyrus hold it why what they're not going to the freaking basket you, you don't get to the free throw line shooting three point shots all the time.
1: Well, yeah, well ball, okay, that's a fair point. But nonetheless, they're still shooting less free throws, and that drives me crazy. Well, go to the yeah. basket, get fouled. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, and and you're giving technical fouls to Steph Curry, who's supposed to be the golden boy of the NBA, just because he's running. When you run, your hands swing. If it accidentally hits someone in the nuts, I agree that's with not you. Not a technical I, I, foul. I,
0: I agree with you 100 on that. There's no doubt that if it's an inadvertent contact, yes, there should not be any type of a foul called. I mean, no, I I agree with you. I mean, so what's what drives you crazy, Rick? So well, there's so many things that drive me crazy, but one of the things <laughs> the basketball and. So when you watch the next game, watch. This is something that you'll start looking for. <laughs> okay. What really drives me crazy, having coached a little bit myself, and I try to make this a point, that if I'm coaching and I were to look up and I see you as a reserve player looking up in the stands to try to find a good-looking girl if you're single, hopefully oh. you're only single doing that, yeah, and not paying attention to what the heck the coach is saying in the huddle <laughs> because it has an impact on you. If he puts you in the game and you haven't listened to what he's just been telling the players that he wants to do, then – what the hell good are you? Is this a regular occurrence, Ray? Oh, no. This, you watch. You just watch how many times when a timeout occurs. Oh. Watch the players on the periphery who are, who are around the back, especially the ones behind the coach, and see if they're really listening to what the <laughs> coach is saying and paying attention to what's going on, as opposed to looking <laughs> off, talking to one another. I, that really drives me crazy, because that is not fulfilling your duties as a member of this team To try to do as well as you can do and to be a part of what is trying to be accomplished through the message being given to you by your coach. Now, watch the games and you'll see. So the next show, I want to see how many times you've noticed this happening. I'm telling you, it is prevalent. It is
1: inexcusable. And I can't believe that coaches allow it to take place. And that's the kind of insight you're only going to find right here in Warriors 24. We're on Apple Podcasts now. By the way, people can subscribe to us in case you're listening in some other way. Uh, Rick, how can people follow you on social media?
0: Uh, Rick 24, Barry. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, I'm out there doing... Doing that and coming up with various different things, and probably do a little bit more of it. Uh, yeah, there's so many other things to talk about. The league. Hey, here's what I say: always expect the unexpected. I was talking about Milwaukee doing stuff, and then Milwaukee goes out and loses a game. They have well, how do you lose that game after you mm-hmm. just come and beat beat the Rockets in their place with a great come from behind victory? That's why I tell you: live by the motto: always expect the unexpected. Look at even the Suns wind up getting a victory. The
1: Suns beat the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was crazy and, and and that's for a whole other discussion because we could talk about the sons and whether or not they're good now Rick it's always a pleasure my man thank you
0: yeah looking forward to it folks you guys have a great week we'll look forward to talking to you next week God bless you and your families